All righty. Well, good morning, Sunbury City Church. Good morning. Um, I must say it is so good to be here. It's been three weeks, and uh, I must say I feel out of place when, when I go to, to another church. I was under the weather last week. Uh, so it's good to finally be back with you all, Sunbury City Church, and uh, it's such a joy to be able to open up God's Word uh, with you. Uh, so this morning, uh, we, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Matthew 6. Matthew 6. And that Matthew's about two-thirds through the Bible. About two-thirds through the Bible, and we're looking for the six, the big six that's in bold. That's what we're looking for this morning, and we're going to be in verses 9 through 13. 9 through 13. While you're flipping there, uh, I'm, I'm reminded of something as we think about this topic of how do you and I talk to God? How do you and I pray? One of the most beautiful things in life is to watch a little child learn how to talk, right? Think about a time, maybe your own kid or your niece or your nephew. You wait all these months, right, for this precious child to get here. And then we wait all these other months for this child to say, mama or dada. I was at a one-year-old birthday party yesterday, and my desire for this one-year-old is to call me Uncle Chape Chape. So I'm like, Uncle Chape Chape, you know? We we desire that. We we want to hear this child call us by name. So for me, I'm the oldest of four. So there's me, two sisters, and a brother. And Marina, when she was born, she's the third. I was about eight years old. And when she was born, I wanted everything to do with her. I mean, if you, if you know Marina and I, we're, we're like two peas in a, in a pod. We're like spitting images. And I, that, that's who we were growing up. When, when she was a little baby, we, we sat on the couch together. I will cuddle her. I will hold her. I will play with her. Marina and I were BFFs. And we still kind of are BFFs. And I remember hundreds of times sitting on this couch with Marina going, Bubba, Bubba. That's what they called me. They called me Bubba. I was Bubba. And, I, and all I wanted to hear was my little sister to say Bubba. <laughs> the day came after hundreds and hundreds of Bubbas where her first words ever spoken was Bubba. And I remember my eight-year-old heart was immediately filled with joy. See, I thought thought that that Marina and I had this amazing relationship, right? Like we played together, I held her, we cuddled. It, It was amazing. But until she called me Bubba, I was like, wow. I thought we had something great before, but boy, do we have something great now. And then it wasn't until the day that I heard the words, Bubba, I love you. See, I thought just Bubba was good. But when she said, Bubba, I love you, how my heart just filled with joy. There there was a time I remember I went over to my friend's house for the night and and I came back home. and, And my little sister, she ran up to me and said, Bubba, I miss you. How do we long for that? 
And I'm sure right now you're going through your own memories of your own child, your own niece, your own nephew, some child where you just longed for them to say, Mama, Dad, Dad, I love you. I'm wondering something, church. I'm wondering how many of us, how many of us in this room, in this world, in Sunbury, in our culture, how many of us are missing this deep, intimate relationship with the God of the universe because we're just not talking with him? God has now opened up us, given us the opportunity to talk to him that we can have this intimate connection, this intimate relationship with him. You know, when you think about dating someone or a parent or a friend, that deep, intimate relationship comes when we communicate, when we get to know each other, when we do life together. So if it works for us as humans, then why will it not work with God? So this is what we're going to talk about this morning, church. That the beautiful, beautiful reality of prayer, the beautiful reality of talking to God is not something that has to fill us with worry or anxiety or angst, but yet it can fill us up with this liberating freedom where we get to approach the throne of God and talk to him. Do you want that? Do you want that? A liberating feel of God's, uh, God being near you, God's relationship. So we're going to dive into that. So this is the main point of today's sermon. Is that when you feel shattered, and let's be honest, we're going to feel shattered. You're going to get a phone call that your mom has cancer. You're going to get a, a, a phone call that your kid has gone wayward. You're going to get a, a phone call that you lost your job. There's going to be moments that you're going to feel shattered and that you're going to feel broken in your life. But the way that we can feel whole, the way that we can become whole is by talking to God. So when you feel shattered, you can feel whole by talking to God. So if you have your Bibles, I will ask you to please stand as we read and honor God's word. Matthew 6, starting in verse 9. And Jesus says this. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And now God's people say, praise be to God. You may be seated. So we actually see that prayer in one other place in Scripture, Luke 11. And when we look at Luke 11, when we look at the Lord's Prayer, we see something a little bit different there in Luke 11. Right before the prayer, we see the disciples ask Jesus a question. See, the disciples were just a group of people who followed Jesus around. 
They were learning everything that they needed to learn and can learn from Jesus. So the disciples decide to ask Jesus a question. And I've always looked over this question. The question was, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Seems something simple, right? But one thing I never noticed, in that moment, the disciples, the guys who followed Jesus around everywhere, could have asked Jesus any question. Disciples could have asked Jesus, hey, how do I become happier? Jesus, how do I gain more profit? Jesus, what can I do to do the things that you do? Right? They could have asked any question. But yet what we see them do is ask Jesus, how do you pray? How can I pray? And I think the reason why the disciples asked that question instead of any other question is that they knew They knew that there was something about Jesus, his character, who he was, his ministry, the ability for him to do miracles, the ability for him to love people, to serve people, to care for people. The disciples knew that that was connected to his prayer. That was connected to his prayer life. They they picked up on it. They saw how important talking to God was. I think it's kind of I think it's kind of interesting too that, that after Jesus ministers, after he ministers to the crowds, to the to the thousands of people, usually right after that we see Jesus, scripture tells us that he will withdraw himself and go pray. Like everything about Jesus' ministry revolved around this idea of talking to God. So if it's important for Jesus, it's going to be important for us. So in our our sermon series, this idea of how to feel whole when we are shattered, the the key is here in prayer. This is is the first step to to becoming whole. So, So the question that we shouldn't ask is, are we going to feel shattered? I think we've already clarified that we will be shattered. But the question that we need to ask as we move throughout our sermon series and as we move throughout this sermon is, how are we going to respond when we feel shattered? How are we going to respond? And this morning we're going to look at we must and we should respond in prayer. I think as, as, we, as we live our lives, when, when, when our lives feel broken how easy it is for us to run to to all of our temporary satisfactions right that's when we will go run to our sports we'll run to our food we'll run to shopping we'll run to to a friend we we, we'll run to to numerous things but I think we all know we'll wake up the next day and then the same pain the same hurt that we felt yesterday will be there it's temporary but what we're going to see is that, that God is not a God that's going to offer us temporary satisfaction. But yet a God that's going to offer us eternal satisfaction. A satisfaction that will last for eternity. And that begins with you and I approaching the throne of God in prayer. 
That's why prayer is important, church. That's why how you and I talk to God, that's why it's important. Are you going to to buy in to the truth that that God can give us this eternal satisfaction and run to him when we feel broken? And we can do that in prayer. So we're going to look at four areas in this Lord's Prayer where we can push into, where we can answer the question how you and I can talk to God. So the first point I want us to look at is prayer is worship prayers worship it should it really should come no surprise to us that the very first line that Jesus says in his prayer is our father in heaven our father in heaven and and a couple things should immediately stick out to us as we think about prayer first Jesus says our our father this is us as a church as a community of believers, as a community, as a body, we have one Father. He is our Father. And the second word is Father. So about eight or so books in the New Testament later, in a book called Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, we see this language where Paul says that we're actually children of wrath. And when we begin to look at that language, what, that, what Paul is teaching us is that when we came into this world, we came into the world already broken. We came into the world with already being sinful, with our hearts already messy. So, so how can we as these broken, sinful, messy people, children of wrath, call God a father, a holy God? A loving God, a caring God. How how can we call him our father? Well, it's because of Christ. The reason why we can say our father in heaven, it's all because of Christ. Because of what Christ, the only begotten son of God, did for us on the cross. When Jesus, he, he perfectly obeyed God perfectly loved God but so that that you and I can can no longer be called children of wrath but children of God Christ had to die for us so one thing as we think about worshiping God in prayer we should think about God adopting us in to his family right we were over here we were sin we were wrath but through Christ we can be brought into life into, into life with God, into a relationship with God. So, so in our prayers, talking with God, foundationally, it's worshiping God for what he has done for you and me. He has adopted us in as his, as, as his children. Again, we, we were born messy. We were the ones born sinful, but yet we were brought in. And I just love that idea where Jesus is showing us in this Lord's Prayer that he's giving us the authority, the, the, the privilege to call God our Father. I mean, it just really points to the truth that the only reason why you and I can cry out to God as our Father is because of what he allowed his son to go through on the cross. So again, we must, in our prayers, we worship God for what he has done given us the ability to call him Father. And then moving on, that next line in verse 9, 
Jesus goes on to say, hallowed be your name. So not only do we worship God in our prayers for what he has done, for being our father, but we also worship God for who he is. Hallowed be your name. So so we, we don't really use the word hallowed often anymore. Essentially, the word hallowed means holy. So Jesus is saying, holy be your name, God. And so right from the start in prayer, what Jesus is showing you and I is that right from the start, our prayers must have this priority. And that priority is God. God as our Father and God as a holy God. Our prayers must be all about that. All about the holy nature of God. I mean, if God is not our Father and if God is not holy, then he is not God. So we must, as we approach the throne of God, we we approach God knowing that he sent his son to die on the cross so that we can be children. And then we pray, recognizing that he is holy. But notice this. Notice the subtle language Jesus uses. It's beautiful. I love it. Notice how Jesus doesn't say, our Father in heaven, your name is holy. Or your name is hallowed. But notice he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or or, holy be your name. What's that meaning? What what is Jesus getting at? What Jesus is getting at in our prayers, not only do we recognize God as holy, but we want his name to be holy. We want it to be made holy amongst the world. We want other people to know the holy nature of God's name. Make your name holy, God. Holy will be your name. Hallowed be your name across this earth where we as people, we desire for every tongue, every nation to know that we worship a holy God. Hallowed be your name. That's us, church. That's that's us making his name holy amongst the nations, amongst Sunbury and Sealands Grove and Lewisburg. So so we worship God for for what he has done, where we can be his children. We worship God for who he is and we worship God because he is king. Look at verse 10. Jesus says in verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we recognize that Jesus is king, that God is king in our prayers. We, we surrender to his kingship and to his lordship. And the, and the amazing thing is right now, church, is that God is, is ruling and reigning on his throne in heaven. And, and you know what? Nothing or no one will ever take him down. He is seated as king. So what's this language mean when Jesus says in, in prayer, like, God, your kingdom come. All that we're doing, church, is we're basically saying in our prayers that, God, the glory that's filled in heaven, the glory of who you are in heaven, allow that to be here on earth. Allow the glory of your presence to be everywhere here on this planet that you have created. That is what we're praying for. That's the kingdom that we want to see. So how how do we be a part of this kingdom, right? How how do we become part of this kingdom of being made known here on earth? 
Well, Jesus tells us it, it begins by submitting to his will. Right? He says, your kingdom come, your will be done. So Jesus wants our heart, when we, when we talk to God, when we go to God in prayer, not just to be in line with God, but he wants our prayers to be in line with God's will. And when we pray for God's will to be done, what we're doing, when we're saying, God, your will be done, we're basically saying, God, it is your desires over my own desires. God, whatever you want, I am pushing in. And whatever I desire, I am pushing out. And that, that's just a radical shift because everyone, everyone in culture is saying, you go do what you want to do. You do what makes you feel good. You do your own desires. But look, Jesus is telling us, no, no, it's not about our desires, but it's about his So in our prayers, we recognize that he is creator and that we are creatures. We are the creatures of the creator and that the creature's will will never trump the will of the creator. So that's what we pray. That's what we pray, that that the glory of God that's in heaven will come here on earth and that God will be made known throughout all of the world. So when we, when we think about uh, this, this language of make what's happening in heaven here on earth, when he says on earth as it is in heaven, what, what, what exactly does Jesus mean by that? Like right now, Jesus is, or, or, or God is being surrounded by angels and cherubim and seraphim and, and they're praising his holy name. Infinitely, day after day, filling up and perfectly glorifying God. And that's what we're praying for here on earth. That we as a church, here at Sunbury City Church, that that we praise and glorify God here on earth so that the rest of Sunbury will know who God is. So this is the heart of our prayer, church. This is the heart of the Christian to make God known amongst all peoples. And this idea, like you want to know what your will or God's will is for your life, it's it's right here to make him known. We do that in our works. Are you making God known in your work? Are you making God known in your family, amongst your friends? Are you making God's kingdom here on earth come by proclaiming the glory of God? So for us to do that, I mean, that's a lot. That, that's heavy. To make, to make the kingdom of God here on earth, that, I mean, that's, that's a lot. So Jesus is now going to show us, he's going to shift in the prayer of, of what we need to pray for to execute that, to, to do that. So this leads us to our second point. Prayer is pleading. Prayer is pleading. So the first half of the prayer is, is focusing on what our prayers need to be about, and that's God. Well, now Jesus is going to show us how do we pray for our own needs, for our own needs. So look at verse 11. Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Such a simple request, but can teach us so much. So first notice that God is not selling us daily bread. Notice that we don't have to work for our daily bread. But yet Jesus is teaching us to ask God to give us our daily bread. 
to, to give us our daily necessities. So that, that means that, that we, we must be humble. See, see there's going to be a lot of people who will wake up tomorrow. There's going to be the Monday blues, right? Going to work, going to live life. And, and there's going to be this pressure of like, I have to wake up early and work. I, I have to go and provide for my family. I have to go take care of everything. I must do my daily needs. I have to do it all. If I don't do it, no one else will. And notice that strain of thoughts. It, all of it is on I. All of it's on I. But what we see here and what Jesus is teaching us, it's not all about I but it's all about God so we have to break this mentality thinking that I have to do it all and humbly approach God and say God you are a God that owns the cattle upon the thousands hills God I am the needy one God I am the one who needs you I'm the one who needs daily bread I'm the one who needs daily necessity God I am your hands and notice that mentality That mentality is all sold in as God, as your provider. And by no means is Jesus teaching us to be lazy and to sit on our lazy boy and not work. By no means, but notice the heart of our daily needs. It's not coming from any effort of you, but it's coming from all of God. So when we tell God, give us this day our daily bread, the amount of trust and the amount of faith that we put in to know that God will take care of us. We are his children, church. And with him being our father, he will provide for us. But also notice that Jesus is not saying, ask for your monthly bread or your weekly bread. But this is your daily bread. It's, it's not like there's some bread shortage around us, right? I mean, we can go to the store and get bread. But what Jesus is doing, he, he's wanting to push our prayers deeper. He's wanting to show us that that it's not about God providing for you monthly or weekly. It's about you trusting the Lord daily. God will will always provide for his children. But the question is, are you going to trust the Lord daily? So that means when you wake up in the morning, it's like, God, I need you. God, I, I, I can't do this. It's our daily bread. So the question of the text is this. Are you daily dependent on the Lord? Are you daily dependent on the Lord? And if you are not, what area of your life are you not daily depending on the Lord? Because this will lead us to our third area of prayer. So, so before we dive into the third area of prayer, what, we, what we've seen so far is first we worship God in prayer. We, we plead to God in prayer. And then thirdly, Prayer is confession. Um, as we think about this idea of confession, look at verse 12. Jesus says, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So, kind of like paint the picture here. Imagine there's this boy, and it was his mom's birthday. And he, he wanted to buy his mom a flower for her birthday. So he he walks to the flower shop, he gets into the flower shop and he sees all the beautiful flowers. 
He, he, he has the, the sweet smell aroma of the flowers and he, he just walks around the store just uh, loving the colors of it. And he gets to this refrigerator and there's this, there's this fog on the, the window there because it's like cold. So he, he opens up the, the refrigerator where the flowers are in and there he saw it. The perfect flower for his mom. It was a single yellow rose in a vase. Mom loved yellow, so he, he grabbed the single yellow rose and took it to the counter. So in that moment, the, the, the florist was ringing the boy up. And the florist says, all right, that's $5 for this flower. And right then, that boy just broke down in tears. He said, I don't have $5. I only have three just full of tears and brokenness because he knew that his mom would love the yellow rose. He, he was just crying. Well, out from the, the line, a gentleman stood forward and says, here, here's $2. I am going to pay your debt. So the florist took the $2 and his debt was paid. The boy's debt was paid. See, he owed $2. It was a monetary debt that was paid. And the the gentleman said, I am going to cover your debt, little boy. But imagine this scenario. The boy gets to the counter. The floor says $5. And then he says, oh no, I don't have $5. He grabs the flower, but runs right out the door. He starts sprinting. The florist yells, thief, stop him. And then the police officer grabs him. As the police officer is walking walking him back to the florist. The gentleman that was in the line from the first scenario said, officer, please don't take this boy to jail. Let me cover his debt. Let me pay the $5. But the florist says, I don't want the $5 because he's a thief. See the difference of debt? See, the boy now in this scenario had a much deeper debt than a debt of money. It was a debt of, of his morality. It was a debt of sin. A debt that, that no man or no thing could have ever paid for. The boy was a thief. So as we think about when Jesus says, forgive us our debts, this debt is so much deeper than a money debt. It's our sin debt. So we go to the Lord and we confess our sins. So what Jesus is doing, he's modeling for us in our prayer life that that we must go to the Lord and confess our sins. But here's the beautiful thing, church, that, that the beauty of this is that this impossible sin debt that we all have, nothing or no one could have paid that other than Christ. So when Jesus Christ was, was, when he was upon that cross, and with his last triumphant breath shouted, it is finished. What was finished? The sin debt was paid in full. The debt that you and I could have never paid back to God is now paid in full because of what Christ has done on the cross. So when we go to the prayer, let's confess our sins. And we don't have to, to coward under that. We don't have to have fear in that because you know what, church? We are forgiven. We're forgiven. 
That means the weight, the shackles of our sin, the things that makes our chest feel tight and our backs feel heavy, we can ask for forgiveness in those. And we will be forgiven because of Christ. But notice how Jesus takes this idea of forgiveness one step further. I I think this is one of the most uh, difficult and challenging lines in this Lord's Prayer. He says uh, next in verse uh, 12, he says, as we also have forgiven our debtors. So what is Jesus saying? I mean, Jesus is saying that, that since God has forgiven us much, we must forgive others. That the outpouring of God forgiving our sins should now go out to the other people. So, so that coworker who gets under your skin, that, that boss that you hate, that, that friend that gets annoyed or that gets annoying, uh, like whatever it is, we can go to them and forgive them. You know, it, it's difficult though, right? But just imagine if the Lord like proportionately forgave us the same amount that we forgive others, we will be in big trouble. <laughs> but because God being a forgiving God, because of Christ, we will be forgiven. So we, out of outpouring that, we go to others. We forgive them. But it's tough. It's hard. The temptation is not to confess our sins. The temptation is is to continue run to our sins because it feels better. The temptation is to not to, uh, to give forgiveness or to extend forgiveness. So this is where Jesus is going to end his prayer. How, how do we fight that temptation of our sin? How do we fight that, that daily? With our final point, point four, prayer is guidance. Prayer is guidance. Um, so have you ever woke, woken up and within 10 minutes of the day, you're like, I'm already done with today. Or like right before you walk into school, students, you're like, I'm already done with this school day. Like I'm already done with today. Or, or have you ever been made with a choice and, and your heart's pounding, your hands getting clammy and you're like, I think I'm about to make a bad choice here. <laughs> well, it's because we're being tempted daily we are being tempted day after day after day we're being tempted because look at verse 13 where Jesus says in his prayer and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil so each day here's the reality church we're going to we're going to be tempted are we going to live for God or not live for God are we going to be tempted to to share the gospel or not share the gospel we're going to be tempted to, to live our own desires or God's desires. Every day, there will be these feelings of temptation, feelings of being tested. And the, Jesus is showing us right here in verse 13, the way you and I fight in temptation is in prayer. It's daily prayer in the Lord. And to really up the ante and to push this idea of prayer and, and deliverance of our temptation is what he says in the second half of verse 13. He says, but deliver us from evil. Now, it would be easy just at a glance to say, and lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. It will be easy to say those are just two of the same things, but different languages, different words. 
But actually, when we dive a little bit deeper into this idea of, but deliver us from evil, it's not some abstract evil that, that we do. But what Jesus is talking about is the evil one. Jesus is talking about Satan here. So not only in our prayers do we pray like, Lord, help me not sin today, but we're also praying, Lord, protect me from the schemes of the evil one. Here's the truth, church. 1 Peter 5, 8 says this. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, and here it is, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And you know who that someone is, right? That's you. That's me. That's your neighbor. That's your kids. Day after day, the Satan is seeking around like a lion wanting to devour you. And the way we fight against the evil one, well, Jesus is telling us, God, protect us. Protect us from the evil one. Protect my kids. Protect my spouse. Protect me from the evil one. Because the reality is, church, Satan is not going to stop. Day after day after day after day after day. There's going to be that battle. There's going to be that temptation to fall into your sin to fall into the trap of the evil one. But praise the Lord that Christ is showing us how we can fight. We fight by talking to God. We fight by praying. So as we conclude this morning, let's just pull back briefly and answer this question, how do I talk to God using the Lord's Prayer? Well, first we worship. We worship God for, for what he has done. He has brought us in as children. We worship God for who he is, for he is holy. And we worship God for he is king and he is Lord. Next in our prayer, we, prayer is pleading. We plead to God for our daily necessities. We plead to God for our daily bread. We, we plead to God knowing that we are the needy ones and that we need him. Third, we confess. We ask for forgiveness. We go to God knowing that we are the fallen ones, that we are the sinful ones, and that that we go after our own desires after God's. So we be specific in our confessions. We tell God where we fall. And then lastly, we ask for guidance. Lord, guide me today. Lord, protect me today. Lord, show me who you need me to be today. So as we conclude this morning, let's be honest. We're shattered people. We're broken people. And the question that I have for us is how are you going to respond? We worship a good, good, good father who desires to see his children grow in an intimate relationship with him, church. So are you going to pray to him today? Are you going to pray to him tomorrow and the next day and the day after that and the day after that? My prayer is that you are. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you 
We thank you for your word. Father, your word does not go out void. And as we dive into your word this morning, what we saw is that, that your son, Jesus Christ, showed us how do we talk to you? How do we pray to you? So Father, I just pray, I pray that, that we worship you well. That as we sing, we sing with a heart of worship. I pray with everything that's on our lips and tongues that we worship your holy name. Father, I plead with you. I plead with you that we stop thinking that we have to take care of our own selves, that it's all on us, and we trust in your daily provision. Father, we pray that, that we confess. Father, we, we are sinful. We, are, we go after our own desires, and we pray that, that you will forgive us of that. And Lord, guide us. Guide us as we navigate our lives. Guide us as we leave or go out to work this week. Guide us as we engage our community, our friends, our neighbors. Guide us, Lord, for we need your wisdom. We love you, Lord. Amen.